Finalon had a lot to say about the same kinds of terrain that my soul was in, which was, what do I do with this darkness that I feel in my heart so much? What do I do with this sadness? What do I do with, I want to know God, but I I feel like I'm floundering. Where is God? I'm trying really hard. Where, where is God? Welcome to the Renovare Podcast, a place for honest and unhurried conversations about interactive life with God. I'm Nathan Foster, and our guest today is pastor, author, and director of the Eugene Peterson Center for Christian Imagination at Western Theological Seminary, Wynne Collier. Some years back, a friend, the same friend who edits this podcast, Brian Morricon, introduced me to the letters of Francois Fenelon, the 17th century French archbishop, theologian, poet, and writer. Immediately, I knew I was in the presence of a new friend for the journey. It was one of those experiences where you just pause and go, oh, oh, this goes deep. It's opening up an expanse for how life with God can look. It wasn't just Francois' insights and wisdom. It was the way he wrote, the tone, the texture. There was a kindness, a generosity, but also a fire. He spoke strong with authority, good authority, born out of love for the reader. I became acquainted with Wynne when I interviewed him around his work on the authorized biography of Eugene Peterson, A Burning in My Bones. This led me to Wynne's other work, and I stumbled upon his book titled Let God, Spiritual Conversations with Francois Fenelon. I was really taken with Wynne's unique work with Fenelon's letters, and I'm delighted to share with you this conversation. I spoke with Wynne from his office in Holland, Michigan. I like this idea of trying to honor these people well, who are not here to defend themselves or correct our misunderstandings of them. And I noticed, I read in in the preface of your book, that was important to you to um, as you're paraphrasing his words. Could you share with us a little about Finlan and, and what he's meant to you? I was given a little booklet. I think it was published in the early 70s, originally, from Whitaker House. Um, got quite a following for a little while. It was called Let Go. And a friend of mine, who was about 10 years older than me, knew, I think, that I needed to hear a voice like Finlan and gave gave me a copy of the book. I was in a season of my life, late 30s, two youngish sons. I think at that point I was 10, 12 years into pastoral ministry and floundering, like <laughs> just really struggling. And I felt desperate for an older, wiser guide. I'd had trouble finding a spiritual director, and I just felt cast out into the wide sea by myself on a little dinghy. And this book arrived, and most of what we have, at least in spiritual writings from Fenelon, is letters he was writing back to those who were serving in King Louis XIV's court. So he had been served in King Louis's court, 
as an advisor and a tutor to the king's grandson, so a tutor to the heir to the throne. There was a lot of political upheaval. Fenelon, as he was known to do, didn't fall in line. And so he was tossed out of the court and he was given a backwater parish on the other side of France. But he had become a friend and spiritual guide to many of those who were serving in King Louis' court and they were still there. And they began to write him letters and he would write them letters back. And he was a, a spiritual guide, a spiritual director to them, a pastor to them. And so I began to hear these letters in that same way. Like I was the one receiving them because <laughs> it seemed to me that a lot of questions those in Louis' court were asking were similar questions to me, which is bizarre if you think about, you know, I was living in South Carolina. I was a pastor in, you know, the early 2000s or whatever. And here I was connecting with people in the late 1600s um, <laughs> serving in Louis' court. But there's just, I think the, the state of the human soul, the questions of the human soul, those are timeless. Right. The, the aches of our heart, the, the disillusionment we feel, the, the deepest and most profound questions about God, God, God's heart for us and what it means to be a human who's trying to follow the, Jesus. And, and then also just thinking about those who were in Louis' court. I mean, they were, you know, that was a, a debauched, power-driven, image-driven. There was nothing about that space that said prayer, <laughs> fidelity, humanity. Um, Moral cesspool. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, you know what? The world's still kind of like that. If I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to have to learn how to navigate these treacherous places. And, uh, but also... Finelon had a lot to say about the same kinds of terrain that my soul was in, which was, what do I do with this darkness that I feel in my heart so much? What do I do with this sadness? What do I do with, I want to know God, but I, I feel like I'm floundering. Where is God? I'm trying really hard. <laughs> Where is God? <laughs> you know, it's the kind of things that most of us who try to follow the Jesus way will inevitably find ourselves asking these questions and, and I just found Finelon to be a really good voice for me. And I think it was Lewis who said, and actually Eugene Peterson said something similar, but like how old voices in books became guides for him. It was, it was something more than just I'm gaining information or I like what they're writing or I'm learning something. There were, that there were a few voices that became something far deeper than that. And I'm not sure I really understood that until I, encountered Finlon because for a season of my life, particularly, I mean, he very much was that for me. It's actually quite liberating because it means, yes, I absolutely need flesh and blood people, but I also have these other voices that are available to me in very intimate ways if, if I'll have them. So that was my road in. There's a sort of pastoral care. Like there's a love, like when I read it, I, I feel his love for these people. Like, a, mm -hmm. a, is that your encounter? Yes. Yeah. And in turn, then I kind of feel it because he goes to the core. I mean, he doesn't play around. And, That's right. Um, but it doesn't take but a few, you know, a small dip in to go, oh, oh, we're we're on a different level here. Yeah, um, that's exactly that's right. A, <laughs> a little funny story kind of in that vein is so after I I don't even know what to call it. I, I say I wrote Let God, but I mean, 
I'm not sure that's the right way to say it. After I tried to steward Finalon's letters in a new way, I was at a pastor's conference and there was a theologian speaking there who I greatly admired. And the first publisher for, for let, for this book, let God was, um, was Paraclete press. And he had also recently published a book with Paraclete press. And I, and I wanted to go say, I wanted just to meet him because I admired him and, and I don't know if I was just stumbling around for something to say, or if I was just trying to make some kind of connection, but I, I was like, well, I think we share a, pu-, you know, I met him, I said my name, I said, I think we share a, a publisher. Um, my, my last book just came out with Paraclete and, and he's like, Who, what is it? And I just said, oh, so it's this book of letters from Francois Fenelon. He goes, oh, I don't like Fenelon. <laughs> like the first thing he said to me, oh, I don't like Fenelon. And I just, I just sat there a little, I think my jaw dropped and I was like, Okay. And, and he said something like, um, yeah, Finlon is, is way too uh, sour and dire for me. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's interesting. I mean, I, in some ways I kind of get it. I can get how certain people could read him in a certain state of mind or vantage point and find him to be rather grim, but that just wasn't how I heard him. I heard him like penetrating past the fluff and in a way that cut to things that were really true. And um, so maybe everybody doesn't hear it in that way, but that's how I hear him. Okay. I, I think I want to connect a dot with that. There's almost a level of pain, present pain that one needs to feel in order to find the comfort, right? Because he just cuts right in there and and gives, yeah, I just wonder if it's like a season of life, right? If you're in a space where you're really needing. Um, yeah. It's a kind of well, brokenness. Yeah, I mean, when I when I encountered Finlon, like I, as I mentioned, like I was strugg- I was deeply struggling. I was, I was struggling in heart, soul, body. Um, I uh, probably was on the verge of like depression. I had some big, big questions for God, <laughs> and God didn't seem to me to be very interested in responding, and it felt crisis like. So when Fenelon would describe sort of this penetrating work of the Holy spirit, that's that's at times he would use, you know, the, the image of cutting, how it cuts deep. I just didn't hear that as adversarial. I heard that as what was necessary in order to go to the place where my pain actually was. And so Fenelon wasn't handing me pain. Fenelon was putting voice to the pain I already was experiencing. Maybe that's different for different people. And I would go further beyond just identifying it, but giving a, a map mm, that, mm-hmm. that actually encourage it. It's like, dig in. <laughs> it's dark. Don't quit. Like they're yeah, like, that's right. And, and opening up a whole new expanse in that with a kind of beauty and joy. And in the right kind of way, normalizing it. Yeah. There you go for the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Oh, don't be surprised. Um, and don't be, don't be, alarmed <laughs> um don't give it more attention than it needs but also don't you know don't run from it this is this is the way of the human disciple becoming more um more filled with the love and life of god um, mm-hmm. so it, it was hopeful it's like oh this isn't arbitrary this isn't merely uh god's you know God's distance or something like this is, 
and and leads you into this whole tradition of how so many before us have described over and again these these spaces where pain and lack of any sense of clarity about God's presence and that these don't you know these aren't weekends but these are sometimes very long stretches but that we can find comfort that yeah but God's actually in that too it's a well tread path yeah right yeah do you know his influences what what shaped him in his life yeah i mean he was a very faithful catholic so you know all of the classic voices he was very well educated so he was deeply read but what got him into trouble was his friendship with madame guyan this became a very political reality and that's what got tossed him out of the court it was more of the some of the the mystical tradition i mean i think there were some some ways it got mystified i mean he uh, the sort of quietest um tradition but there was this this profound sense of the the intimate union of the human person with the spirit of god and christ that that things um that this is very real and it's something that's happening in the soul and you're being god is doing something and if you read Fenelon's letters i mean it's very intimate and by intimate i don't i don't mean syrupy <laughs> i don't mean always always warm but it's like god is very present and active and some of that was his deep friendship with madame guyan it fascinates me to do a look through you know history and the the great devotional masters they came in groups and, and you can just imagine how they informed one another and you know you kind of see it historically in other fields as well art and music and such What were you hoping to do with the book? Um, what, what was your aim there? I think I wanted other people to hear Fenelon the way I heard him. I wanted, I just, I felt like he was a wise voice in our time. And I thought that a lot of people, you know, that I was pastoring or encountering probably weren't going to go and read the older volumes. And maybe that was mistaken. Maybe they will. And I also, I was really drawn. So th in the volume I did, I wanted to try to frame this to really help people hear it in conversation. Because that's they were letters. And I've always been drawn to the genre of letters. I, I love listening in to thoughtful people sharing um, from deep places with one another. The friendship that evokes the honesty, the disillusionment that comes there. But I was just really struck by we only have one side of the conversation. We don't have hardly any of the letters that were written to Fenelon preserved. And so I wanted to put these letters in a form where we could explicitly say this is one side of a two-person conversation. And I hope that maybe some people like me who needed uh, an older, wiser voice would find that in Fenelon. What did you learn? from the project? You know, I remember, it's been a while now since I did it, you know, but I do remember at times how 
how easy the writing came easier than I expected. There was a playfulness, a, um, a warmth that felt sometimes easier than I expected to. And it was just, I think it was just in my moment in my life, I was his words and his, his warmth was enlarging me. And I just felt a real congruence there. I think I learned more about the invitation to a deep, deep trust. I mean, when you're immersing yourself in Fenelon, I think it would be hard to walk away from that and not feel deeply challenged by the radical call to trust God with your life, to trust God with your pain, to trust God with your future, to trust God with your past, to trust God with your loves, to trust God with your questions, to trust God with the spiritual baggage that we take on to trust God with even our effort to be spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's one of the things I love about Finlon is it certainly is this call to like deeply follow Jesus, but it at the same time continually guards us from this kind of incessant self-absorption in what we're doing. You know, that, that is one thing that I, I think sometimes I'm concerned about among those of us who talk a lot about, spiritually formed life, following Jesus. Sometimes the way we talk, or at least the way we hear it because of our, the way that our culture works, it it can become another uh, exercise in self-effort. It's just like an updated one or a more sophisticated one or a wiser one. But I think having someone who is making this very radical call to a life being formed by Christ also is very deliberate in helping us to resist the sense that we make anything happen in our spiritual life. And it is, it genuinely is grace and mercy. And I think those things have to be held together tenaciously, or we just recreate an updated vision of what has damaged many of us, you know? So I think I, I really felt, and I don't even know like systematically how to map that with Finlon. I just felt it as I was reading him, he would return, trust God, give your life to God. Don't hold anything back. Be free because at the end of the day, this is something God's doing in you. You don't do it in yourself. And again, I feel like that's language we all use. And I, as a pastor, certainly use all the time, but I I feel like it sank into my heart in a different way when I was immersed in Finlon. That's good. Do you get any indication that he was a person of joy? Yes. Hmm. Well, first of all, just the fact that he's writing all these people, like he, he loved these people. And I think they brought him joy and friendship. I mean, he was a, a very human person. This theologian that I was telling you about earlier, I got the sense as we talked to maybe a little bit after that, like maybe he saw him as a joyless, grim person. And I guess you could read him that way. I mean, this guy's certainly really smart. He didn't make it up. But I just saw him being really honest, but playful. Like I think I used that word earlier. Like I do yeah. find him being playful. Like like the pressure's off. Like, mm-hmm. like this is serious business, living well, and the pressure's off. Yeah. So yeah, I think Fenelon would have been a fantastic dinner guest. <laughs> I think he would have loved the best music. I think he would have enjoyed a wonderful dinner and wine. 
I think he would have had great stories and I think he would have listened well, which I think is always accompanied by joy. It'd be really interesting to do a study on this, but just informally, it's clear in his writing, he suffered. He's writing things he knows, but yeah. um, people who suffered um, oftentimes, sometimes they're worse for it, but a sort of joy, a levity, and you mentioned a good listener and such, that seems to oftentimes birth out of the fire of sorts. Yeah. One of the things I really like about his work is you can dip in anywhere, you know, with the letters right? and to just take your time. Like there are ones that usually I would just read one at a time mm -hmm. and just sit with it, but then I'll return to that one and read it multiple times before moving to another one. Does that fit the, am I doing it right when? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> You know, of course, I don't think it is a right or wrong way, but how you're doing it is exactly how I do it or would do it. You know, these letters, I never imagined that someone would just sit down and read it an hour of it at a time. Mm -hmm. I, I think it'd be too much. Um, oh, yeah. I think this is a wonderful, you know, if someone is doing sort of the the practice of spiritual reading, I think this Finlon would be a great voice for that because they are short little bits and yet, if you will pay, if you will read it slowly and pay attention and read it as prayer, there's just a lot of soul work that's going to happen and it's going to be received. It's not something you're going to make happen. And like, even sometimes I've, I've thought that Fenelon would be a great voice during Lent, you know, to read just one a day, take it slow and to have Fenelon guide you through that season, or maybe on a silent retreat or could certainly see it happening in Advent. But yeah, I think little snippets, it'd be, it'd be too much for me if it was more than that. Yeah. Cause it's those where you like, Oh, I need to, I need to live with this a little, um, mm -hmm. you need to cook it. All right. As we're talking, I'm making a connection. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on it. Thoughtful, honest pastor. See, now this reminds me of another friend of ours beyond the grave. <laughs> Do you, how would you connect them with Eugene Peterson or would you? I mean, I'd, I'd put them in the same company. They're part of the same lineage of tradition, I think, of wise voices who were deeply pastoral, deeply theological, profoundly persons of prayer, who also would not let us stay in our heads, got us moving in real life called to radical trust in God. I mean, obviously I think they'd have, you know, if you, if someone wanted to write a PhD dissertation and compare them, I think you'd come up with all kinds of sort of theological emphasis that were different or maybe even contradictions. I don't know, but about the big things that animated who they really were, uh, I, I would definitely put them in, in the same lineage. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Tell us, how are things with the Eugene Peterson Center? You know, speaking of joy, there's been a lot of joy here. We're, we're new and early on, so we're still trying to figure out exactly what we're to do and who we're to be with. But we had our first uh, gathering in October called Doxology, and that's set to be an annual thing. So um, the first Monday to Wednesday of next October, and that was just I had no idea how it was going to go and a little bit of fear and trembling. Um, not, not because of like 
pulling it off, but fear and trembling because, as you know, I'm sure conferences can often be sorted affairs. It's kind of dangerous territory because um, <laughs> it can be some of the very worst of our inclinations in Christian culture. But it was slow. It was beautiful. There was painting and yoga and great food and really wise, meaningful words from scripture and illuminating music and storytelling from some people who gathered with us that was just beautiful. And, and so I really loved it. And our doctoral cohorts, our doctor of ministry with pastors and with writers continue. And those are places of real joy. And I'm eager for the coming year and just what kind of conversations we'll be in the middle of. And I even see this, you know, what we're doing, this is an extension of that because I feel like we share a lot with Renovare and um, just a lot of same hopes and inclinations and worries. And uh, so I'm just curious and eager about what kind of friendships and collaborations and or shared work across miles. Um, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to, to encounter others who are being intentional and yet unhurried and non-anxious on our best days. I don't know about you. I, I, have, I do have anxiety sometimes, but um, when I'm trusting God less, so. It's a movement, right? The, the, I think an intentionality to do life a little different than the default. Yeah. When thank you so much for your time, but also your stewarding of Francois Finlon. Um, a great help to us. Thank you. Well, thank you for letting me talk about this man I love. And again, that was Wynn Collier talking about his book titled Let God, Spiritual Conversations with Francois Fenelon. I encourage you to check out the other conversation I had with Wynn about the life of Eugene Peterson and Wynn's biography A Burning in My Bones. You can find that in episode 225. And you can also learn more about the Eugene Peterson Center for Christian Imagination at Western Theological Seminary at petersoncenter.org. That's petersoncenter.org. I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to the Renovare Podcast. And we are grateful for all of you who help make this work possible. You can support Renovare and this podcast with a tax-deductible gift at renovare.org slash donate. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort, offering resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find a collection of thoughtfully curated articles, podcasts, webinars, online classes, as well as information on events in our institute on our website at renovare.org. This podcast is produced by Brian Morricon, who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. And until next time, be well, friends, be well.